Let's just pray before we look at God's word together. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would still our hearts and empty our minds to hear what you've got to say from your word, Lord. And may all I, I do and say glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. It seems as if no one can get enough of superheroes. We are living in a time when the numbers of people going to the cinema generally has gone away down dramatically. As a range of entertainment we can get at home from Sky, Netflix and Amazon Prime gets cheaper and easier to attain. Yet 2018 was a record year for superhero movies in the cinema. Last year, people couldn't get enough of movies featuring Black Panther, Avengers, Deadpool, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Spider-Man, Aquaman, and Incredibles 2, breaking box office viewing figures and achieving an income worldwide of $6 billion. These are my favourites, The Incredibles, a family who have many hidden talents. Everyone seems to want a hero, someone to look up to. Everyone seems to want that person. But yet as we come to look at the story of Gideon this morning, we find that the person that God uses to do his work is kind of the opposite of a superhero. Time and time again in the Old Testament, God uses those who are considered weak to show his power by working in them and through them. There's David battling the giant Goliath. There's Joshua being afraid to lead the Israelites. There's Joseph, the youngest of a big family. He was chosen over his older, stronger brothers to be a leader. As we look at the various people God used, one of the things that stands out to me in all of the stories is the weakness of the human beings that God uses. And that's reassuring for you and I because we all have flaws as well. But if God was pleased to use ordinary people to build his kingdom and fulfill his purposes, then that means God can use people like us as well. This morning, I want us to look at the story of one of those flawed people, Gideon, who God chose to do his work. We've read some of the story there in Judges chapter 6 and 7, and it may be helpful to have your Bible open as we look at it together because it's a pretty long chapter and I, I didn't read it all. The first thing we see in this story of Gideon is that God disciplines those he loves. In the opening verses of chapter 6, we learn a bit about the situation the people of Israel find themselves in. We read that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So as a punishment for that, for seven years, God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Throughout the book of Judges, this is a recurring cycle of the behavior of the Israelites towards God, where they rebel against God again and again. That then leads them to face retribution for their disobedience which in turn leads to them repenting and God having mercy on them and rescuing them from whatever situation they've got themselves into. And here we witness this cycle beginning once again as the people of Israel rebel against God. God has taken them out of the land of Egypt. He set them up in the promised land. God has told the Israelites they should worship him and him alone. But instead of doing that, the Israelites turn to other gods and they worship them. 
A few weeks ago, I was just back from work, having not had a great day, and after tea, we were trying to get the girls to practice their musical instruments before they went to music. One of our daughters was tired and in bad form, and every time I asked her to do it, she shouted back at me. And I have to say, I'm normally not a shouter, because the girls like to tell me I'm not very good at it. Mummy, being a teacher, not that she's good at shouting, is much more effective than me at sorting things out. But this particular night, I snapped, and I did shout back, telling my daughter not to raise her voice, ironically, by raising my voice to her. And it visibly scared her. In fact, I think it scared everybody in the house. And they went off to music a few minutes later, and I was left on my own. And I realised that I hadn't acted out of love, but I acted out of anger and frustration. I had got it wrong on this occasion. There are times when I'm sure we all have exercised discipline out of anger or frustration rather than doing it out of love. But the point I'm trying to make here is this. It's important for us to realise that God, unlike us as earthly parents, God never overreacts. God never does things out of spite or out of anger. God's discipline always has a purpose. It's always meant to be restorative. It's always meant to show us the errors of the choices we have made. It's always meant to bring us back to him. And that's what is happening to the people of Israel in this passage. God has handed them over to their enemies. And in verse 7, they turn and they cry out for mercy and help because they are in the hands of the Midianites. Today, this morning, as you and I pause from our busy lives and come here to worship God, I wonder how we are choosing to live our lives, what our priorities are, what we spend our money on, what we give most of our energy and time to. Would you and I say that we are walking in obedience to God? Are we living the way that God wants us to live? Or are we maybe rebelling against him, doing things we know will not please God or honour God? In Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus healed a demon-possessed man, the Pharisees cast doubt that Jesus was indeed the man of God. But Jesus knows their thoughts, and he says to them in verse 30, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. We see that similar scenario here in Judges. There doesn't seem to be any middle ground. If we turn our backs on God, if we go our own way, often we will lose the joy, lose the inner sense of peace, that awareness of God's presence, and we may even begin to doubt our salvation. And it's interesting that when we lose focus on, and when we focus on things other than God, when we turn and run after the things the world has to offer, success and power, that having these things can still leave us feeling empty. We are still discontent, still dissatisfied. If that's how you or I am feeling this morning, then maybe God is speaking to us. But take that as being a good thing, because God only disciplines those who love him. God does that because he wants us all to come back to him. He wants us to remember our first love. God wants us to realize that only a relationship with Jesus can truly satisfy us. And when we realize that, we need to turn to him and cry out for mercy. Today, we need to stop running away from God and instead run toward him and experience the embrace of a father who loves us and is for us.
The second thing we can see and learn from this passage is that God uses ordinary people. As the Israelites turn back to God, we see God putting the wheels into motion for a rescue mission. But what's most surprising here is that God chooses Gideon to deliver the Israelites from captivity. Gideon is a scared individual, a man who is hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. The location that the angel appears to him is interesting because it reveals how afraid he was of the Midianites. The wine press would have been an enclosed area, a deep pit where people would have stamped on grapes. It's not a place where you would normally thresh wheat. That would have been done on the hilltops, out in an open area. They'd have thrown the wheat up in the air and used the wind to drive away the chaff. But Gideon was scared. He was scared of the Midianites, so he hides away in the wine press. Even so, the angel of the Lord finds him there and appears to him and says, Verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a strange and unexpected thing for the angel of the Lord to call Gideon. A mighty warrior? Really? He's hiding in the wine press, and this man is at present anything but a mighty warrior. In his present state, Gideon is more of a card than a warrior. But God sees through his present state and sees what Gideon will become through God's power and strength when it's at work in him. And in fairness to Gideon, he's more than willing to acknowledge how weak he is. Look how he responds in verses 13 and 15. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon said, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. As Gideon is approached at first, he's thinking to himself, How can God be with us? Because look at the state we're in. But what Gideon doesn't realize at this stage, it was the Israelites that had turned their back on God, not God who had turned his back on them. And Gideon then asks how he could be the one that God will bring deliverance through. He says, surely you've got the wrong man. My clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my family. If God is wanting someone to stand up to the Midianites, you've come to the wrong place, you've got the wrong man, but yet how God reassures Gideon. God tells him, I'm going to be with you, Gideon. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be present with you. It isn't about what you bring to the table. This victory does not depend on your skills and talents, but what I, the Lord, can bring. Because God sees potential in Gideon. He sees what Gideon can become when he is open to God's power at work in his life. The amazing news for you and I this morning is that God, that is true for Gideon, is true for each and every one of us. God sees beyond the state each of us are in. And like what he did with Gideon, God calls out that potential in our lives. God calls those who are following the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting God to live as salt and light in this world, to make a difference in the lives of those we come in contact with each day. 
We might not feel that we are very important. We might feel that we are very insignificant, that we are the weakest of the weakest and the least of all people we see around us. But God says, I choose you. I see your potential. Look at what it says in Ephesians 8, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has good works for you and I to do. Works of mercy, works of justice, works of mission, works of service, works of hospitality. The list is endless. But the big question for us today is this. Will we stand up for Jesus? Will we get involved in what Jesus is doing in our world? In what Jesus is doing in our community? On what Jesus is doing here in our church? Or will we just hide away in fear? For many of us, and I am very much speaking to myself here as well, we allow our doubts and insecurities to prevent us from stepping out to do all that God has for us to do. Perhaps we don't hide in a wine press like Gideon did, but maybe we do hide in our churches sometimes, never leaving our circle of friends or moving outside. We can adopt a kind of survival mode inside ourselves where our sole solution is to keep our head down and wait for heaven. Yet the call of Jesus was never just to stay in that huddle of our friends until he returns. Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything he has commanded. Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, I'll just read. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. How does Jesus finish his command? With a promise. Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. As a boy, I grew up in a large housing estate in Valamina, and there were hundreds of houses there. And there were, it seemed to me, as a young boy, about eight or nine, hundreds of dogs running all over the place. It seemed to me that nearly everybody must have got a dog and then just let them out to run around the estate. And at times, there were groups or gangs of dogs just running about the place. And at one point, I remember trying to go to the shop, and I was scared to go out the back to make my way down to the shop on my own, as these dogs would have been all around me. And I'd have been back indoors as soon as possible. Yet everything was different when my dad was there, because he had no fear of the dogs. And even though I was still a bit scared, I was happy to go out the back and pass the dogs if he was with me, because I knew he would keep me safe. It was his presence that made the difference. And it's the same for you and I today as we live our lives following Jesus. We may be scared to stand up for Jesus in school or in our workplace, or even among our families and friends. We may be scared of what other people will think of us. And maybe we worry we'll not know the right words to say. And it will be easier to allow fear 
to stop us saying anything. But our Heavenly Father says, I will be with you. Nothing you face is bigger than I am. Nothing you face is going to take me by surprise. So allow my presence to give you the confidence to go and stand up for me. God chose to use Gideon, a weak warrior, and God chooses to use us, you and I, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our fears, in spite of how we all let him down. We need to allow God to go in the strength that he gives us, to use us to do what he has called us to do. Thirdly and finally, the last thing we can see, there was my dogs, the last thing you can see from the story of Gideon is that it is God who brings deliverance. Throughout the rest of chapter 6 of Judges, Gideon builds two altars to the Lord. Gideon then goes and destroys the altars his father has built, which were used in the worship of the false god Baal. And we are told that Gideon still goes out at night to do what God asked him to do. Verse 27, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Gideon is still afraid. Gideon is still afraid of what people will think of him. He still has doubt in his mind, and he seems to want to continually test God's promise. To test God's promise that he would use Gideon to save Israel. So Gideon puts out a fleece and he says to God, If you are to save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, I put this fleece on the threshing room floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised. And that's what happened. Gideon rose the next morning, lifted the fleece, wrung out a bowl full of dew. Still Gideon has doubts, and he says to God, Please don't be angry with me, Lord, but let me make one more request. Just allow me one more test with this fleece. This time, let the fleece be dry and the ground be covered in dew. The next morning, that's how it was. The fleece was dry and the ground was covered in dew. And this is a clue again to how many doubts and reservations Gideon had. But what we notice here is how patient God was towards him anyway. God is committed to walking Gideon through this, despite all Gideon's insecurities. God was with him. Then in chapter 7, which we read just a few minutes ago, we saw it as God who brings deliverance to the Israelites. Gideon does his best. He gathers up an army of 32,000 people. But the Lord firstly asks Gideon to send home anyone who's afraid, and that reduces his army to 10,000. But God tells Gideon, that's still too many men. With that number in the army, Israel might still believe they defeated Midian in their own strength. So God says to Gideon, take the men to the water and only keep the men who drink from cupped hands like dogs. That left Gideon with only an army of 300 to fight a massive Midianite army. Imagine yourself in Gideon's shoes. He's already said he's not the man. He's already terrified, afraid of what's ahead of him. He gets, does well and gets an army of 32,000 people and God reduces it to 300. Gideon must be thinking, I didn't fancy my chances with 32,000 men, so what hope have we got now? But the lesson God wants to teach the Israelites, that he wants Gideon to understand and that he wants you and I to realise today, is that salvation and deliverance always come from God. 
as a result of God's actions. It's God who brings deliverance. In this case, God reduces the size of the army so the Israelites will see without a shadow of doubt that all praise and glory go to God for the victory. God isn't restricted by numbers. God can use one person or a thousand people. But one plus God is good enough. Sometimes we can be tempted to go and try and do things for God in our own strength. But this story of Gideon is a powerful reminder that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. That it is God who chooses us to do his work and works through us. So that's the challenge this morning for us all, for you and for me, for each and every one of us, to seek afresh God's power and strength in our lives. Will we open ourselves to his Holy Spirit? Will we allow God to lead us to what he has called us to do and what he wants us to do for him? God doesn't call any of us to be perfect. He calls us just to be available for him to use. God is building his church and God invites each and every one of us to hand our lives over to him through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who he sent to save us from sin, to take the punishment that was for us by dying and rising on that third day. As we are told in John 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If we hand our lives to the Lord and we follow Jesus, we will get to witness God's power at work in our lives so that all the glory will go to him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this story of Gideon, of how you used a scared man who had no faith that he could get anything done for you, Lord, but you took that and it's you, Lord, that works through him. Help us to make ourselves available for you to work through us too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We close our worship service this morning by singing the words, O church, arise and put your armour on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. <laughs>